When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Where does O'Neill stand with, you know, his outfield development right now? And, you know, recent weeks you guys have brought up, you know, three left-handed swinging outfielders. Does that maybe, I don't want to say de-emphasize, you know, the importance of learning the outfield there, but does that maybe you focus a little more on shortstop development? Well, he's been, yeah, he's, he's doing both. He gets more time at shortstop than he does in the outfield. We just want to make sure that his outfield play is in a place where uh, we never want to put Derek Shelton in a position where he doesn't want to put a player in a spot. So that's what we're working towards, is the ability for him to maybe start a game at shortstop and then something happens and, and, and we pinch hit for someone and now, now the spot for him to play is in left field or center field and we feel comfortable bouncing him out there. He hasn't had a ton of game experience because of the injury last year that he would have gotten. So that's just what we're, that's what we're um, waiting to see. It's just more game experience for him in the outfield. Um, but I don't think it's de-emphasized anything. That was Pirates Director of Coaching and Player Development, John Baker at Truist Park yesterday in Atlanta talking about team construction. And you can't ignore the fact that the Atlanta Braves were in the same boat not that long ago that the Pirates are right now. And boy, did it turn out pretty well for them. Good morning, and welcome to the Pirates podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. My name is Alex Stumpf. Baker said a lot of things yesterday and his availability with the traveling media. Go read the stories that I've put up on it on DK Pittsburgh Sports. You guys see a little more of what he said sprinkled out through a couple other features here throughout the week. But I wanted to talk about just team construction as its own thing right now. Because that's an interesting spot for the Pirates at the moment. Roster construction. I don't know if they could field a lineup the rest of the way, even if they had everyone healthy that didn't have at least three rookies. And I don't mean that from, you know, a morality or or strategy standpoint of, oh, you should play three rookies at least in every game. Like, I know, like, can you do it? Could you literally do it? I guess if everyone was healthy, but going down the stretch, like, can you really go without at least a rookie in the outfield, uh, a rookie in the infield, a rookie pitcher sometimes coming in, either starting or in relief? Like, it, it's just going to happen. There are going to be three, four, five, maybe six. Six, I think, is the magic number whenever we see six people in a starting lineup because that hasn't happened for the Pirates outside of September or October where, you know, rosters are expanded. Whenever there's like a 25-26 man roster, that hasn't happened since 1954. That is quite literally a lifetime ago, decades ago, nearly 70 years ago. That's where the Pirates are right now with their roster construction. Let's do things we haven't done since Eisenhower was in office. And yeah, it's it's probably for the best. Actually, it definitely can't be for the worst.
because we saw Atlanta do this exact same thing. Swanson, Acuna, Albies all got starts together as rookies. And that doesn't even count like Austin Riley coming up shortly after. Like, no, literally rookies figuring this out together. That's what they did. It's what the Houston Astros did. It's what the Chicago Cubs did. It's what the Minnesota Twins did. I know the Twins didn't win a World Series, but whenever they're like, you know what, we're just going to put Buxton and Sano in the lineup and we're going to see what happens. It's what the Seattle Mariners are doing. And I know the Mariners have been the classic up and down team, but they've got a pretty bright future ahead of them at the moment. It's what the Toronto Blue Jays did with Biggio and Guerrero and Bichette. It's what the Rays more or less do every year. It's important to have, to win young, to play young together and win young together. And I, I don't mean win as in this team is a playoff team or whatever. I think I've been pretty open the whole way that this team's going to finish with an arm's length of 70 wins. And at the end of the year, we can point out like, 10 games that would have swung this team to either 75 wins or 65 wins, regardless of where they finish. No, but like literally winning singular games, winning games like they did in Los Angeles, winning games like they did whenever Jack Swinski hit that walk-off over against the Diamondbacks. That was a big win. For the organization. There were a lot of things that went right. That was an encouraging day going forward if you are a Pirates fan of, hey, they just did that. Jack Sawinski is finding this nice power stroke. Laurenti Contreras shoves. Yeah, there's a lot of good things that you want to see out of that team. Do it that way. Because it's been proven in baseball that it can work. There's one looming storm cloud over this conversation that can't be ignored. And it's that maybe the top prospect isn't there yet. And I have a, a sneaking suspicion, we'll say, that O'Neill Cruz... This is going to be the last time I talk about on a podcast about how O'Neill Cruz isn't in the major leagues. Don't don't take that as gospel or anything, but I I think there's a very good chance that O'Neill Cruz is in the major leagues sooner rather than later. And that's good, but it's also a period of time where O'Neill could have contributed to the major league team could have continued his development at the major league level. This whole coaching staff has been assembled with player development in mind where a lot of guys like Oscar Marine and Mike Rebello and Don Kelly have backgrounds in player development. And that's and that's not even counting like the Tark Brocks and the Justin Messages and like there's a long list of guys here that have good long history in player development in some way or another, either as a front office or minor league coach. That development continued in AAA. 
and man, you can't help but wonder every once in a while whenever you see O'Neill Cruz go viral for hitting a homer in Indianapolis and the Pirates are struggling on offense. It'd be like, man, one of those swings might have swung a couple of these games away. The other way. I don't think it's ridiculous to say this. I mean, at the the Pirates are what? At one point this after the Arizona series, they were 24 and 28, I want to say. I don't think it would be ridiculous to say that if O'Neill Cruz and Garanzi are on the team the whole year, they might have been 500 at that point. Not 500 for a whole season, but, you know, 500 for a third of the year, that's that's a pretty solid show for a team that is very clearly still not in the competitive window that they, you know, have outlined. Maybe 2023, and best way you could do it in 2023 is making sure that you have a group of rookies who have won at the major league level together first. Again, not winning like a playoff spot or even being competitive, but just literally winning games. Have some guys who know what it takes to win games. So whenever the top 100 players start coming up the following year, they have a bit of a path to go through. And yeah, yeah, of course, supplement the team. This team will need to be supplemented from outside sources, either free agency or trades. you got to do that, too. And depending on how serious they feel about 2023, I feel like the, it's going to be you know, indicated with what the Pirates do this offseason. I don't see them ever signing you know, a, a big-time free agent pitcher or anything like that, but... You can get a couple guys, good role players, a couple Jose Quintana types, instead of just one and hoping that he could do the job of three. But fill a couple holes. Don't trade away a couple guys. See what happens. And I think that would be a good indicator for what the Pirates feel like their odds are in 2023. Because if they do stuff right, it could be a interesting year for Pirates baseball. Supplement the team and make sure there are a group of young players that have a taste of what winning is like there. Mix in some top 100 guys and yeah, you might have a future Atlanta Braves style team on your hands. Worked out pretty well for them. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Back to the Pirates Podcast to be named later here on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. All right, we've done one O'Neill Cruz adjacent topic. Let's let's do another one here. Just take a look at the middle infield for the Pirates of the future because, man, they definitely do have some candidates, and I don't know if there is a clear answer here because at the beginning of the year. Diego Castillo was having this great spring training, earned his spot in the Major League roster, and yeah, I, I still am fairly encouraged with what he's done in the Major League level. 
a lot of that is defensively, which is something that coming into the year I didn't know. He had this much game defensively. Most of the reports I had gotten were it's like, yeah, he'll he'll catch the ball, but that's about it. But no, he's made a lot of heads up plays out there and some above average plays, you know, just from pure athleticism too. So yeah, the bat, if it comes around and we know he can hit, he could be something special, as could Tucky Pita Marcano, who made a really good defensive play that nobody really paid attention to, blocking the bag on Acuna's steal attempt, saved a run, didn't end up meaning anything, but that was a really good heads-up play. I know he's driven a couple balls here for homers. That's not really going to be part of his game, but he's a good contact hitter. He's making contact up at the major league level as a flare burner type of guy. He's got some speed, some versatility. Yeah, like there's a reason why he was a logical fit for the Adam Frazier trade because he could be Adam Frazier. Then, yeah, there's that O'Neill Cruz guy who everyone knows he wants to stick at shortstop. He's got to play some outfield, but maybe shortstop is the main position here because here's the thing that I don't think a lot of people were taking with O'Neill Cruz. They see the error count in a tie. They aren't taking into consideration that he's just so tall and has these long leaps and strides that he covers ground that a lot of shortstops can't. And even with all the errors, he's still a pretty good defensive shortstop. Yeah, you got to take a whole lot of bad with the good, but the good is good also. And then, of course, in Altoona, Leo Pagero and Nick Gonzalez. Someone that I think the organization for a while had deemed as maybe their middle infield double play duo of the future. And maybe they still are, but there are going to be a couple people in front of them getting a good long look. Rodolfo Castro, and I know people are going to roll their eyes with that because he made some really bad plays up at the major league level. Some of them were mental. Some of them were hustle. That's bad. There's a lot of talent still there, too. We saw him do a couple things up at the major leagues that I I don't think a lot of people would think that Rodolfo Castro could do, like sports center type stuff, 460-foot homer, that sliding catch he had out at shortstop where he's playing pretty much the outfield, like a lot of good stuff there, a lot of bad too. That needs coached out. If it is, a lot of talent there. So the question becomes, uh, they... They only have those two spots, right? Because Hayes isn't going anywhere. First base is wide open, and yeah, maybe one of them could slide over there, but there's a whole logjam of middle infielders that aren't really up in the major leagues right now, but man, they are close. Between Marcano and Castillo... And Castro and Cruz up in the major leagues. Whenever Cruz does get called up to the major leagues, there's going to be a little bit of a logjam there. And then you got two top 100 guys coming up right behind. 
So raises the question, what do you do? And O'Neill Cruz to the outfield, yeah, that's a logical way to, you know, alleviate some of that logjam, but here's the thing about Cruz at shortstop. Do you know how many shortstops have his amount of power in baseball history? I mean, we're talking A-Rod, Ernie Banks, Tatis. That, that's, that's it. O'Neill Cruz has that level of power. Maybe he doesn't do it at the major league level, but the potential is there. Do you know how many corner outfielders have that type of power? Dozens. A ton. Chris Davis hit 40-something homers not that long ago. And I don't mean the Chris Davis from, from Baltimore. I mean the guy from Oakland who hit 247 every single year. 40-something homers out of a corner outfielder. Yeah, it's really, really, really good. I don't want to sound like I'm diminishing it, but it's far more common than someone who could do it at shortstop. And that's the argument for keeping O'Neill Cruz at shortstop, even with this logjam of just he could do something that no one else can. Or he could be another left-handed swinging outfielder, who the Pirates have three pure ones right now, and then Brian Reynolds, who's a switch hitter. I, I don't mean it as a way to like sound like I'm playing down what O'Neill's offensive contributions could be as an outfielder, but if you keep that outfield slot open and you keep him at shortstop, that means a lot more because you could put someone else in that outfield spot, either an external position Maybe you just make a trade, uh, a free agent signing. Maybe you move someone else to the outfield and they're better equipped for it. We haven't really seen anyone outside of Diego Castillo and Marcano in their major league careers or upper professional careers get any reps in the outfield. I don't think either one of them would be best suited out there. Maybe, maybe Marcano out and left. He'd made a couple really heads-up plays in Los Angeles that I don't think enough people got credit for. And maybe that moves a Nick Gonzalez or Leo Ribeiro to second base. Or maybe first. I know people are also going to say the O'Neill Cruz moving the first base. And looking past the you know argument of how many first basemen have 40 homer power throughout the years. O'Neill also has just a cannon for an arm. It'd be a waste to put it there. I mean, if that's the way the roster construction plays out, that's how it plays out. But I, I don't know. There's other ways around it. This middle infield jam, some of it will play out by some of these guys maybe not being pure major league ready. But until then, it, it raises the question, what do you do? And my answer for right now is you stop playing Yu Chang there. You, you stop playing Josh Van Meter every day out there. And I feel bad picking on Josh Van Meter because like, he's a good role player who I think people just really, really turned on because he was put in as an everyday player. Whenever Kevin Newman comes back, you don't give him the reps there. You play the kids. I'm just repeating what I said in the first segment. You play the kids. You go and give them their opportunities. So whenever you turn into 2023, 
you have a better feel for what you have there. And if your answer is no, it, it, it's actually not Diego Castillo. Then you know. Or if the answer is you can't play without Diego Castillo. Like, the guy just makes everyone better. He's a good ball player. Then you know that too. I think that's the most important area of this team where it's most important to play the kids. Like, the outfield has pretty much been set. And maybe we'll have a different conversation once Mariznick and Gam will come up, but even then, I kind of suspect both of them being intriguing trade, trade deadline pieces. I think that, you know, will clear up and we're going to see a young outfield the rest of the way, more or less. Middle infield, I could see it going back to a, a Newman, a Chang, a, a Van Meter, and it can't. Middle infield has to be 100% a development position going forward because there are just so many different outfielders, or infielders, I'm sorry, infielders, who can take those two spots. And if you're not giving those opportunities there, you're just hurting yourself in the long run. Not just in terms of wins and losses, but clarity. Because you can't invest all these roster spots on middle infielders also. That's the other angle of it. Can't put all these middle infielders on the roster. It's some sort of trade or way to figure stuff out would probably be beneficial for both sides. Or at least for the Pirates. You know, acquire some pitching or maybe another position that you want to go and alleviate some of the congestion there. That's an off-season thing. That's an off-season where hopefully after you've seen some of these guys play at the major league level and you have some clarity there. We got a little show left to go. We'll be right back. the last segment of the Pirates podcast to be named later. We're going to keep this one short for just one take to finish things off here. I kind of like Tyler Beatty. This might be a, a, a very lukewarm take, but I, I think we might be sleeping a bit on him. He throws hard. He's throwing harder than he did at the beginning of the year. He's attacking hitters. I don't know, maybe this type of pitcher usage where he could actually go through the lineup one way through and he doesn't feel like he has to sell out immediately could be something to click for him. Guy was a highly rated prospect at one point. I think this is turning out pretty well so far. Definitely some areas for growth, still raw. But raw tools-wise, yeah, he's... He's making a good impression in my book. Let's see what he can keep doing. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe wherever you find five podcasts. And hey, be sure to check out the other shows we have here on the network. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk again next week.